0: I had the uh, the joy of working in the field alongside my dad. It started out as a, a youngster, and he'd be out combining, and I would join him in the seat of the combine, or it actually wasn't a seat. He sat in the seat, and then there was this little squishy area sitting on top of a lever between his seat and the window. And I'd be five, six, seven, eight years old, and it was not very comfortable on my keister. And yet I sat there, and I would I would fall asleep sometimes. We'd be out combining soybeans. I just loved that. And then uh, I was out, you know, baling hay, and then as I got a bit older, raking hay and cultivating, spreading manure a little bit, and I enjoyed that. It was a good experience. However, if the decisions were up to me, our farm would not have done very well. Not only because I was a youngster, but also because that was not my gifting. There's a reason why I'm a pastor and not a farmer. I enjoyed it, but these were my father's fields. It was my father who made the decisions about when to plant, under what conditions. It was him who watched the soil to see if it was dry enough. It was him who knew how much and what type of fertilizer to apply And even as there were others who worked in the fields as well we had someone come in hired in to bail round bales we had someone we'd get the big interrogator to come in for pesticides and so there were other laborers in that field alongside me but it was my dad who knew when to harvest it was my dad who knew when to order the seed and what type of seed and for what price my dad was the one who owned those fields those fields were his, and I simply joined with him as a laborer, as a co-worker with my siblings and with these other folks in my father's fields. As a pastor and a follower of Jesus, I work in fields that do not belong to me. Like my father had for his fields, God has a plan for his fields, for a crop and a harvest Jesus compared the word of God to seed sown in various types of soil and he invites us to have Hearts that are ready to receive That seed he compared the kingdom of God to a mustard seed that's planted and it grows into a big surprising grand tree Night and day Whether we are asleep or awake, resting or working. The seed in God's field is at work. It's sprouting and it's growing and it's growing a crop, a rich crop, Jesus says. My apologies, as I'm, this is also a new computer that I'm just getting used to, boy, what a... (laughs) So I'm figuring out how to do this well on the fly. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says, God will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And to the next one, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up and John 4:35 Open your eyes and look at the fields for they are ripe for the harvest God has a vision of the work that he wants to do in the world in his fields God has a crop that is be, being prepared for the harvest God's work in the world is pouring out his good news inviting people into relationship with him bringing shalom bringing peace bringing righteousness making the world a better place bringing his kingdom where people know who they are created by him walking in his light this is god's work and in this field on earth god plants the seeds invites us to participate and then he tends to those seeds raising up people of faith god invites him us To work with him in these fields. He invites me as a pastor. God has invited Dennis and Deb and April as pastors to work in those fields. God has invited Greg Mason as an elder and Carol Steckley as a deacon and you, Carrie and Dorothy and Gary and Greg and nile he has invited you to be a worker in this field just as me and my father's fields growing up this is not our field this is god's field and we are invited to join him in this work i invite you to turn with me to 1 corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 to 11 1 corinthians 3 5 to 11 What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each task. I planted the seed Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes them grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor for we are co-workers in God's service You are God's field God's building Fifteen years ago in the fall of 2006 I walked through the doors of this building for the very first time And as you've heard me reference before Phyllis walked up with a church directory and gave it to me and said here learn these names And I very quickly felt at home among you all. You have felt as family to me. And I'm thankful for that. I have a lot of, a lot of good memories of life alongside you and with you. Twenty-four hour rides in a stinky van to Youthquake in Saskatchewan with the youth. Ogre kept her straight and true on the road. Dumpster diving on a tools trip with Isaac, Harry and Josiah, Andrew Lucas and others. I'll never forget the time that we announced pretty shortly after my time here, the stillbirth of our son Jared on a Sunday morning and there was an audible gasp in the crowd. And then after, a parade of ladies came and shared stories of their own children they had lost over the years. These are the precious memories that I will always hold fast to. The energy and camaraderie of our relearning community team as we brainstormed and prayed together at retreats dreaming about how to be disciples who make disciples. Christmas Eve services, when everyone gathers back together, everyone's home, we light candles we sing all the wonderful carols and we celebrate Jesus together. I'll never forget one Sunday when I preached about sex as a marvelous gift from God and I don't remember who it, who it was, I wish I did but some dear old lady came up to me afterwards and told me it was a wonderful sermon <laughs> and then said you know that 40 years ago you'd have got ushered out the door if you'd have preached a sermon like that. I won't forget that either. Standing around the island each Sunday morning at Joel Mel's house in Clinton. Drinking exceedingly strong coffee. Joel likes it stiff. And catching up as each person walked through the door that morning. The exceptional potlucks that I've had a rich conversation over both with Kingsville Clinton and here in Zurich. The energy of Baptism Sundays, those always have been the best. And seeing you, I I could tell a myriad of stories, but seeing each and every one of you in your own particular way, loving your neighbor, following Jesus in your neighborhoods, being the hands and feet of Jesus. I'll always remember the honor and privilege it's been to join with you in officiating the weddings and funerals of your loved ones. These have been holy moments and they're fond memories that I will always carry with me. It has been a tremendous gift from God in my life. A tremendous gift to have walked with you as a church over these past, I guess you could say 15 years, five years with Kingswood Clinton, a couple years overlapping with the two churches, and now over five and a half here, specifically in Zurich. Thank you so very much. Thank you for taking a chance on a young pastor and giving me the opportunity and the space to learn and to grow. Discovering who God has made me to be. Thank you for the grace that you've shown me time and again as I found my way and certainly had a number of goof-ups along the way. Thank you for how you've consistently supported me and encouraged me along the way. Thank you for blessing my family and giving me this, them the space to be who they are and always reminding me to care for them first. I can't think of a single instance in which I felt like there was pressure to care for the church above my family. And that's not common for pastors. And so I want to honor you for that. Thank you. There's a lot that I could say But I offer my heartfelt thank you to each and every one of you for the gift that has been to lead and to serve and to walk alongside you during this season of life. And as I've heard many of you say, and I feel myself, this does feel in many ways too soon or sooner than we may have expected. And yet in this season, I have sensed God's call to move on to the next step. I want you to know that whatever fruitfulness may come through my leadership and service as a pastor, as a church leader, in the years ahead, will be a direct result. It will be direct fruit from you as a church family and your investment in me. Your fruit will expand in different places with different people. Because God has formed me as a pastor, me as an individual, And our family significantly through each and every one of you. A couple more comments before I proceed and and one of them being that I I know I I made a few comments last Sunday just to honor April and encourage her in stepping in her role and just acknowledging the the grief that that we share and others have expressed of us not being able to serve alongside one another. Um, But I do want to share just what a gift it was for me to see April in in her office on uh, on Thursday and I I know (laughs) I know that there's, that's hard and there's sadness there, um, but as, as I've been kind of walking through my own grief and sadness and carrying that, that point's very, fairly heavy this week. And with that, i um, just wondering and, you know, you worry and you stress, or things going to be okay. And just... Uh, I think that God in his sovereignty, sovereignty saw very fit for April's first day in the office to be my second last day here, just in the sense of how good it was to see her sitting there It was just like full of, we talked for a couple hours, just full of ideas and vision and, and, uh, and just God, that was God's way I think of speaking to me that you're going to be great. That God's got, uh, and, and not, it doesn't at all rest on April's lows at all in any way, shape or form, but it was like this sign that then as God calls works through Deb and the leadership team and calls through the next lead pastor, you're going to be okay. and You're going to have great leaders and you're going to have fresh, exciting vision. And things will change and it might be a scary time, but it's going to be okay. And so I, I just wanted to acknowledge that and, and just state what a, what a gift from God that was and uh, just that I have a lot of confidence in the leaders here and who God will call. And the last thing, I, I also want I won't, to, I won't be here whenever the formal transition is and the installation and whatnot, and, and I didn't say anything last Sunday because I wanted to keep the focus on in terms of kind of encouraging and blessing April as she moves in, but, but I also, I won't be here, so i got to make my comments about Dennis uh, right now. Uh, I don't know if I can find the words to express (laughs) how much Dennis has meant to me. Dennis, you've been a dear friend and a mentor and a pastor to me. This was another huge gift in my formation as a young pastor to have you at my side to be wise counsel, a sounding board to offer gentle, wise encouragement when my head was spinning at points, and probably to bite your tongue as well at certain points as well. And you may have heard me say, oh thanks Deb, I forgot to grab these. <laughs> you may have heard me say, but uh, I, I see it as a huge testament to Dennis's character. Um, that points. He would defer to me on decisions when he knew full well. He, Dennis has been around the block in terms of church leadership more than a few times. And he would defer to me and ask what we should do in a situation. I knew full well he knew what to do. <laughs> and yet he did that as just a way of honoring me and supporting me and encouraging me. And that meant a lot. So thank you, Dennis. And I will just add my voice to what will be the chorus of thanks when that uh, transition officially happens in a few few months. I will always be grateful for your influence in my life. All right, I think we've got those out of the way. (laughs) We're all workers in God's field. Every single one of you. I have been, Dennis has been, Pastor Deb has been, April has been, the elders have been, the next lead pastor will be. We are laborers, every single one of you, in this field, as God does his very good work. Before I proceed, I also do want to give credit to Brent Kiffer, he's pastor at Mapleview Mennonite Church. I'm borrowing pretty heavily actually from his sermon that he preached last at Brussels Mennonite Fellowship when he transitioned. We were talking and he mentioned the sermon I looked at, it, I was like, Oh, that's like that's perfect. So I'm I'm borrowing very heavily from him this morning, with his permission. So we mentioned God's fields, where the seed of the gospel is sowed and where we, every single one of us, is invited to be a co-laborer. I've enjoyed being a co-laborer in this field with you. Laboring side by side in meetings, in various conversations, various places of ministry, events, programs, around dinner tables. I've labored alongside you and the leaders. And I've had the privilege of labouring in the same field as Ken Gaisley and Tom Rose and Tim Doherty and Phil Wagler and Doug Shady and Harold and Judy Schantz, Phil and Julie Bender, Clayton Kipfer, Ephraim Gingrich, Orville Jancy, Albert Martin, Stephen Peachy, Christian Schrag their spouses, and the many interim pastors who have filled roles as well. And I don't know if you hear that list of names, think, good heavens, it's just a, <laughs> it's a revolving door. I don't know if you feel that, or if you feel this sense of, you know what, like, God's got us. It's gonna be okay. And I hope that in expressing this of being laborers in a field that doesn't come across as just like, oh, well, God's in control, it's fine, figured it out. I hope you hear that that's not my heart, But this is a message that I also need to receive and I'm preaching to myself in terms of trusting and releasing and knowing that this is God's field. He is the one who works in our lives. When we look at the Apostle Paul's ministry, he was one who had leadership in a variety of locations over the years. And he became aware of a a conflict in the city of Corinth and so he wrote to address it. It seems that they were misunderstanding who they were in Christ. It seems that they were misunderstanding the good news of Jesus and they were using worldly measuring sticks to measure whether they were successful or not. Whether they were on the right page. As he wrote this letter some were trusting in their wealth. As he wrote this letter some were trusting in their own spiritual gifts and some were trusting in particular leaders perhaps one was really elegant with words maybe one was really good at caring for them and knowing them. maybe one was really good at developing strategy and casting that vision but they're debating and they want the church to be as strong and powerful and secure as possible and they're debating who is most important who ought to receive the credit for the growth Of the church and it's in this setting that Paul writes chapter 1 verses 26 to 31 he says brothers and sisters think of what you were when you were called not many of you were wise by human standards not many of you were influential not many of you were of noble birth but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ who has become for us the wisdom from God that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Our strength any success we may have, this good news doesn't rest in how strong we are. It doesn't rest in how professional or organized we can be or how good our leaders may or may not be. It appears that the Corinthian church was putting their leaders on pedestals and truthfully this was wreaking havoc and causing division in their church. Some really liked Apollos. Maybe he was a gifted preacher. Some really liked Um, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the other fellow. Anyway, the other fellow. (laughs) Some really liked the other fellow and had deep, deep loyalty to him. Maybe he was the first one who shared the gospel with them. They were arguing who they ought to follow, who they ought to give their allegiance to, and it's into this that Paul speaks. And he says, who then is Paul? Who then is Apollos? Who then is, what is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, this is Paul saying, I planted, Apollos watered, as the Lord assigned to each. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose. And so we are in this field called as workers of God, As laborers in this field. I believe very much that God in His sovereign direction called me to be with the Kingsfield churches for these past nearly 11 years, for this particular time, for a particular purpose. And I believe that I brought with me a particular set of giftings and experiences and weaknesses that were the right fit for the church in these past years. I also heartily believe that the next pastor, the next lead pastor who will come will be the right person at the right time for this next season according to God's sovereign direction. They will bring a different set of giftings and weaknesses and they will be able to lead you in ways that I might not be able to. I believe they will have just the right mix of giftings and vision that is needed to guide the church in this next stage. And this person will be a co laborer alongside April and Deb, the leadership team, and every single one of you as you plant, as you water, as you fertilize the seeds, the crops in God's field. We plant and water, but it is only God who gives growth. There is a harvest for. KZMC, God has good days ahead for you as a people. He's not done with us. Absolutely not. There are great ways. And, and I, you know what? I speak this not, not just in terms of my transition. That would be arrogant and proud. I'm, I'm not speaking just in terms of I'm speaking even in terms of this COVID season that we're in and the unsettledness with that. God is not done with you. There are ways he wants to draw you deeper into relationship into healing, into obedience, into freedom in the years ahead. There are ways he wants to extend his kingdom of peace and truth and goodness in this community and around the world through you. I'm looking forward to what it will be like 10 years down the road to come back and to visit and to see kids I've never met before and new people who've given their lives to Jesus, because there's a number of you here that weren't here 10 years ago when I first showed up with King Clinton. I'm looking forward to that, and seeing this harvest, this ongoing righteousness. And the church may look wildly different. It very well may look wildly different in terms of how we do things. but God will continue this harvest of righteousness in His field. It's painfully obvious that the COVID-19 pandemic has affected our church in some tough ways. It's not just us, it's every church, every church everywhere. When we look at our gatherings and our ministries, it does look a lot different than it did 20 months ago. And relationships are strained. This week, as I spent some time wading through pictures and different memories, I was struck by the beauty of you as a people. you as a family and as a community. I'm struck by the beautiful things that God has done through us together, and may him have all the credit. And so I urge you, if this is, I don't know, my last word, or (laughs) I urge you to stick it out together. I urge you to fight through this, which might mean hard conversations, a whole lot of forgiveness, but to fight with each other and not against each other. I urge some of you who have taken a back seat in the last year and a half, to step up and to start serving alongside those who have been grinding it out, leaders and servants who have been carrying a heavy load these last two months. I invite you to come alongside them and to carry that weight with them so that Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church may emerge together. We need to work together. It will look different, but Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church is just too beautiful to let simply fade away. God's not done with you yet. You are his field. You are in his field. You are laborers. God will bring other laborers along. He will accomplish his purposes. It's not about Ryan. It's not about Dennis. It's not about April. It's not about Deb. It's not about the elders. It's not about who the next pastor is going to be. It wasn't about Phil. It wasn't about Harold or Phil and Judy or Clayton or Orville. It's about Jesus. And we are in God's field. God's not done with you. And I'm really excited from a distance in the years ahead to see what that looks like. going to close out with a few thoughts and shift into sharing the Lord's Supper together. I do want to share with you what is known as a covenant of release. This is something actually that Mennonite Church Eastern Canada, this document comes from them. Um, A really good piece that they encourage pastors and churches um, to kind of develop and and so uh, share this with the leadership team and and Reney assigned it on behalf of council. But just to read that covenant of release between myself and Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. It's been my privilege to serve as pastor with Kingsfield for over 10 years, and now as lead pastor with KZMC for five and a half years. And I'll take many memories with me and, and a sincere appreciation for this congregation. And so, as I conclude my time of ministry here, I want to have a mutual understanding that includes the following. Number one, I will pray for God's ongoing blessing and direction for this church and the leadership as you make the transition to leadership with a new lead pastor. I also welcome your prayers for me and my family as I begin new leadership responsibilities with the Ontario Conference of MB Churches. Number two, if there's factual information, not counsel on future direction regarding our work together that's not adequately been conveyed to leaders, I remain open to doing so in the next several months. So if there's a document you're saying what, what got placed here or where did that go or whatever, Um, I'm open to those conversations and passing those details. Number three, I will be removing my belongings from the church office. Um, This was written up a while back, so by October 10th today, returning keys to Taylor. And from that point, I will no longer be employed by Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. Number four, in line with ministry standards, I won't return to KZMC for any official ministry, either public or private, except with the request of the pastors and the leadership team. And number five relationships develop during my time with you following my departure relationships have developed during my time with you following my departure those will be on a friendship and not a pastoral basis i will redirect pastoral conversations to current pastors and avoid commenting on the direction and the ministry of church and its leaders i'll be scarce for a little while but when we cross paths please come say hi i'd love to catch up with you we'll chat about our families. We'll chat about what life looks like, but I won't chat about you in terms of the direction and, and ministries of the church here, nor will I offer pastoral care in those settings. So that'll be, it's not always clear, right? Like, <laughs> I hope this hasn't just been a professional relationship but walking alongside as friends and pastors and now to shift toward just being friends. That, that will be tricky, um, but we can do that together. So God's mission with KSMC did not begin, does not end with me. This is God's field and there is a crop growing. Some seeds have been planted. Recently. Others sprouted a long time ago and have been fruitful for a lot of years. God has not finished. And there is a harvest coming. Let me pray over you and then we'll, we'll join together in the Lord's Supper. God, we do have very, very much to be thankful for. You've been so good. You've been so good. And so I invite you now. We, we place our trust in you. And I pray that you do the work and the ministry in our hearts so that we could trust well. We trust in you for the days ahead. I pray that you would fill these people with your Holy Spirit, that we would not operate on our own strength, that we would not operate according to our sense of what success looks like, but that we would always look to you. God, I pray for unity. I pray that there would be a work of the Holy Spirit, that you would draw us together as sisters and brothers centered on you, Jesus, because you are our king. God, I pray that in the weeks ahead, maybe as the lies of the deceiver say, well, you're not good at this, and you're not good at that, and you can't do whatever, and so on and so forth. I pray that your words of truth would rise up to the surface of our minds and hearts, and that we would delight in who you are, delight in who you've created us to be, and delight in what you're going to do through these people. I pray that you give the leaders courage and strength, and together now we pray for the person who will come in the role of lead pastor whenever that is. We pray for them now today, this very morning, that you would shape their heart, that you would prepare them for that call, that you would prepare us to see, or I should say us, prepare Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church to see where you're leading and directing. And so most of all, God, in the little, the little conversations, the Sunday morning sermons, the times of singing together, the baptisms, the Bible studies, all of these things, God, we give you thanks and we acknowledge that you have been good and you have been at work. We love you. And we place our trust in you. And so now as we turn our attention toward your, your death and resurrection, Jesus, we give you thanks that you are our source of life. We do not live without your shed blood for us. We do not live without you paying for our sins, without you being our substitute. And so we lift you, you high. Even as you lowered yourself to the point of death, we declare that your name is above every name. And so in the midst of our emotions and our excitement and our despair, everything we're thinking and feeling and experiencing, we turn all of that toward you and toward your cross. We honor you, Jesus. Amen.